If you pull out your sermon outline that's in your program, there's a place for you to take some notes. We have been talking about persevere with intensity over the last few weeks as a lifestyle of following Jesus. So just as a point of review, to follow Christ is to persevere with intensity. Persevere meaning being steadfast, to endure, to continue, um, to refuse to give up. And then the intensity is to that extreme degree. Instead of being a survivor, we thrive. We're fervent. We have zeal. We have earnest. We give it our very, very best in energy and focus. And so my definition of to persevere with intensity is one step at a time with zealous determination all the way to the end. That's what living the Christian life requires. One step at a time. You don't have to know the whole plan. You don't even have to know the the three steps. Just need to know what is the next step. And if God wants to review more steps than that, he can do that. But one step at a time, just one step at a time, following with him all the way to the end. Then we also said it's this lifestyle of knees and nudges to start each day on our knees and surrender and praise. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Do it according to the way that that allows us to surrender in praise. Knees is about surrendering in praise. And then nudges, to follow God's nudges throughout each day. And a nudge is really any kind of way that God leads. Could be through uh, a, a word that he puts in our souls. It could be a Bible verse. It could be another person talk. Just It could be circumstances, just being sensitive to him so that whenever he tries to direct us, we are following that. And then we mentioned last week that nudges mean, it really means soul level words and circumstances. Soul level words and circumstances. It's, and we're gonna, so we're going to talk more about that. As I was on my knees this morning, though, I, I recognized, I sensed God emphasizing to me that we, we need to um, try to grasp, to understand the incredible privilege it is to walk in step with God. We take so much for granted. And when we become familiar with it, if we grew up in um, going to a, a Christian church and, and with the Bible, we, we can get so familiar with it that we don't grasp the privilege that it is that God is offering to us in knees and nudges and walking in step with him. I have a a friend by the name of Ken Davis. Ken Davis is, in the circles that I move, he's he's a hero, he's famous, he's um, he's a a speaker, Christian speaker, comedian, um, motivational speaker. He's traveled the world. He's done um, incredible things. He, he came that close to making it in secular comedy, Johnny Carson show way back before God really got a hold of him and redirected him. In 1986, I was introduced to Ken Davis. I know some of you are going, 19, isn't that ancient history? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 1986, I was at this convention. I was just in the audience. I sat in the audience and I listened to him. And, I, and we were rolling in the aisle because God has given him such an incredible sense of humor. 
The next day, he had a conference session with several hundred people. And at the end of that conference session, I went up to him and asked him for a brochure for, for a teaching thing that he was doing. And I was able to have a personal conversation with him as we walked to his next session. I went to that conference and became a student among 50 people. And he, he went from becoming a comedian to a teacher, then to a mentor. And he was even willing to go to dinner just to, with, with one of my other friends and talk over, and we began to develop a relationship. A couple of years later, he came to a, a and, and so after attending that, he, we were together at another event where he was the speaker and he recognized me and we had dinner again together and we talked about me attending the workshop and, and he said, do you think you could teach in that workshop? And as a young kid who was still wet behind the ears, I proudly, arrogantly said, well, sure. <laughs> and so he said, okay, come to the next one. And so I went to the next one and I became an intern running a camera while everybody else was teaching. And then he saw something in me and he, said, and he asked me to come back and teach. And, and so over the years, over the last three decades, I, be, I became on staff and then I became senior staff and I became one of the few people that is uh, qualified to teach the uh, communication message method. Um, and then we, in, the, in this process of those decades, I stayed at his house I, I visited with him, and he had a concert up in Meadville a couple of months ago, and I said, hey, let's get together. And we got together, had a meal together, shared friendship together. We moved somehow from me sitting in an audience of several thousand people seeing him to become now a personal friend. That's a privilege. That is a privilege. And I don't say that to say, look at me. I say that to say, it's a privilege to have those kind of people in your life. And I will never, ever, ever take it for granted that Ken Davis will take time out of his life to befriend me and care about me and have dinner with me and ask about my family because that, it's a privilege to have that kind of relationship. I would carry his luggage. Why? Because he, he is um, not only an incredible speaker who, who has really, God has used to change lives in many different ways, but because of the humility that he has. And he'll stand after concerts and, and he, he, will, he would stand there as long as people come up to him taking pictures because he knows the value of people. It's a privilege to be a part of his life. I will never take that for granted. It's a privilege for God to reach into our lives to not only be God, but to love us and put his spirit within us. And I think we have to understand that because, uh, no, I, I don't think we have to understand. We, it's, we, are, we desperately need to understand that because God will not be satisfied with being God out there. That is not why Jesus came. That is not why he died. That is not why he sacrificed himself. That is not why he sent his Holy Spirit. He came to be our loving, heavenly Father. And so when we talk about knees and nudges, it's not responsibility. It's not, I'm not trying to force you to do something because God is demanding it. I'm saying you have the God Almighty, the God of the universe who loves you beyond description, who wants to be your loving heavenly dad. 
He wants it so bad that, well, I'm getting in the message. So let's talk, let, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21 is a scripture that came to me while I was on my knees, while I was saying, God, what do you want to say today? I got all these notes prepared, God, but I want what you want to say. And so this scripture, it's not in your notes. You might want to write down the, the scripture reference. Here's what it says, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And that is where most people focus. It's, 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 it's like one of those uh, positive thinking Bible verses that, um, that is promoted as here, you know, it, it's all about you and God is all about you. And here's a, he says, him, God, Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Yes, he is far more abundant. He's able to do that. He wants to do that more than you could ask or think, more than you could ever imagine God wants to do in your life. According to the power at work within you. And that's what so oftentimes people don't focus on. They, they miss. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly, in some versions, abundantly more than we, all that we ask or think. How? By the power, by the Holy Spirit living within us. Not out there, but in here. The intimacy. It comes from intimacy. So as a result, what do we need... Our focus needs to be on how do we allow his power that is within us to do what he wants to do. Knees and nudges. Knees, praise, surrendering in praise, giving ourselves our day, our everything to him, and then walking in step with him throughout the day as he nudges us from the inside out. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Almighty, all-powerful God, according to the power at work within us. So let's talk about this. More about hearing, seeing, and following God's nudges. Number one, this is where I was headed as I got excited. <laughs> God so wants to walk with us as a heavenly dad. He so, we can never fathom the depth of desire that Almighty God has to walk with us. If you're a parent, you understand this. You look at your kids and you so, and we'll let, God will carry the bigger load. This is, I'm telling you. I had this sermon yesterday. In order, logical, frame. And I'm on my knees this morning and God just puts this passion in me about him as our heavenly dad. So if it feels scattered, just grab what, what's worth sticking. God, so here it is. God, will carry, God wants to carry the bigger load. God wants to carry the bigger load. We ha the, the devil, the enemy wants to lie to us to get us to think that we have to do ex incredible things in order to get God to do what we want him to do. That's pagan religion. That's what, that's what you hear in every other religion is you just got to somehow earn it. And so you got to work hard and you got to pray enough. And, and in, in really horrible pagan religions, you sacrifice your children in order to have what, you know, the, the, uh, the rains coming and, and the crops. and all. No. 
In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 11 that we, we read last week, but I want you to turn there again to get a flavor of who God is and how much he wants to walk with us as our heavenly dad, taking the load, taking the heavier load. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Here's the God of the universe saying, Ask me. Ask me. You need something? Ask me. You need something? Seek. But, don't, but not just frivolously, but keep asking until, until I answer. Until you, it's not about getting my attention. It's, it's about you getting focus on me. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you... Which one of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? And the re- then the rhetorical answer is, well, none of us would do that. Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent that would harm him. If you then, though you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Take your desire for your children to have what they need and then multiply that about a gazillion times. And then you'll have a taste of how much God wants to walk with you as his dearly loved child. That's the God of the universe. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He will carry the heavier part of the load. And so those of you that are parents or or grandparents, have you ever had the experience where you're working with a little child and um, you, um, are, uh, you know how to do everything this child wants to do. And so you come alongside the child, and, and so he wants to build Lincoln Logs. Do they still have Lincoln Logs, or is that, am I dating myself? <laughs> or Tinker Toys? Or, and <laughs> no, okay, I'm dating. How about... How about rocks and sticks? I mean, <laughs> and they and and the it's a just they're a little child. They they don't know how to do it, and so how, and you just make suggestions. You just say, here, try this, try this, try this, try this, and then finally, and 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 then I can't do it. I can't. So you do part of it, and and finally you get the Lincoln Log house built, and then he runs to his mother and says, "Mommy, mommy, mommy." Look what I did. And you, you are standing there going, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. You don't correct them, and you wink at, at mom as she comes in, and we know why. You've done the bigger load. You've done, carried the bigger weight. You have provided the, the information they need. You have done everything, but you rejoice in the fact that they did it. God wants to carry the heavier part of your life. He wants to take you by the hand, but too oftentimes we, we're, we're pulling our hand back because we don't want God to hold our hand. We think, we want, I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. And God says, no, okay, go ahead. And then come back to me when you make a mess of things. Many of the difficult, many of the struggles that we have in life are because we've insisted on our own way. 
instead of letting God carry the heavier part of the load. That's who he is. We so long to walk with God as our heavenly dad. But oftentimes we don't recognize that's what it is. We long to walk with our heavenly dad because that's what satisfies. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The Holy Spirit had revealed to the Apostle Paul what life is really all about. For me to live is to walk in step with Jesus, to walk in step, to do what he wants to do, and then to die is gain. Then I will be with him forever in perfection. He says, we long, that's what we long for. Every, but we chase after other things instead. We have to make knees and nudges lifestyle our priority. We have to make this lifestyle our priority. It, and that's the, the, the picture of a little child. If that child says, no, leave me alone. I don't want you to help me. Then the parent is, steps back and they make a mess. But we, it can't just be a cursory. It can't just be this compartment. And, the, and the, the devil is okay with people gathering on Sunday morning as long as they really don't surrender themselves to God. Amen. He doesn't care if we, if we sing the songs. He doesn't care if we read it. He just does, he doesn't want us to be in a relationship with God. So it's not just going through the motions. It is making it a priority. It is getting on your knees even though you're sick. It's getting on your knees even though you're exhausted. You have to stay there forever, but you just surrender yourself and then you pay attention to the nudges. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Knees and nudges as a priority. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Asking every question. It's not that I do these certain things that pleases God, and then I can do the rest, whatever I want with the rest of my life. No, everything, which aligns with Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have to make it our priority. I'm going to skip the next scripture. Maybe we'll come back to it next week. Number two, recognizing nudges then is a skill to develop. So if knees and nudges, beginning each day, on our knees, surrender and praise, and then following, um, going through the rest of our days, paying attention to God's nudges, we need to understand that it doesn't happen automatically. We need to understand that recognizing God's voice, recognizing God in circumstances, is a skill that has to be developed. Nudges is soul level hearing and seeing God's work, uh, words and work. And we began to talk about that last week. Is It's not just if, an, if a thought pops into your head, because the enemy can put thoughts in your head. You, as a, a sinful, selfish person, can put thoughts in your head. But there's... As, as you develop the skill, there's something that, that where you can recognize when it's here in the depths of your soul versus here in your head. And we do that as a, it's a skill that's developed as we spend time in the Bible because we hear the voice of God through the Bible. As we spend time with other 
Christ followers who are maybe a little bit farther down the road and they've learned to hear a little bit better and we observe their lives and we hear their testimony and how it works. It's a skill that we develop as we, um, as we talk to God and we, we become more open to God. It's a skill that, that we develop as we, um, in, whether it's scriptures or hymns or songs that, that express the truth of God, the voice of God, and, and we begin to hear and recognize. But one clue is when it comes to your mind and it's, it agrees with the Bible and you're not that smart to think about. It. <laughs> when something comes and you go, where did that come from? Then you stop and say, is this God? Soul level. It's a skill to be developed. And God will, and remember, God will do the bigger part of the work. That's why it's about surrender and listening and obeying. Surrender, listening, obey. Now, one of, I didn't put this in there, it just came to me. I, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, um, if you're really my disciples, in John chapter 8, he says, if you're really my disciples, you will do what I say. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now notice, notice um, the pattern here. Notice the, how it's set. If you obey what I tell you to do, then you will begin to recognize my voice. So isn't it interesting that in the system that we live in, it's exactly the opposite. If somebody comes to you and, and they want you to do something, you want to know all the information, right? And you want to know how to... Is that, have you ever built anything from Ikea? What a disaster. And, and I, I'm telling you right now, at least for me, whoever engineered those things is smarter than me. But I have a hard time following them. My, my son and I were building this cabinet one time and, we, and so we're going through these steps and we get to this step that seems to have nothing to do with what we're doing. You're supposed to you attach something at this point and I'm going, that makes no sense. And let, let's hold off on that. <laughs> Three hours later, we get to that place where it says, now take that thing that you attach to the door and it... it we had to go back and undo everything we did for the last three hours. That's God. Do what he tells you to do, and then you, it will make sense. It didn't make sense until later. Do what he tells you to do. So that's one way of building this skill. It's also a skill that's developed with other people. I almost put it's a team sport, but that doesn't really capture it. But it really is. It's we're so individualistic that we think, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out the, the voice of God. I got to do, I, I, I. But it's not. So oftentimes, something will come to my mind, and I, I've got a number of different friends, and we're, we're pastor friends, and we're trying to walk this life in ministry. And I'll call one of them up, and I say, I think I heard this, but I'm not sure. I need you to check your spirit and, and the spirit within you and say, does this make sense? And sometimes it'll be, well, I'm not sure we need to pray about that. Other times go, yeah, that's, that's it. It's not individual. That's how we get into trouble when we, when we think it's an individual. It's a skill that's also developed imperfectly. 
So just because it's a spiritual skill doesn't mean you'll never make a mistake. That's why we have to go to other people and make sure, make sure we're walking in step with one another in iron sharpening iron relationships so that if we start getting off track, we got somebody who can put their arm around us and say, I don't think what you're saying or doing is right. I think, I, you know, let's pray about this and see what God really has to say about this. Um, last week I referred to this scripture in Acts chapter 16. I think it's, it applies here as well. So if you want to flip your Bible open to Acts chapter 16. Beginning with verse 6. So this is the Apostle Paul. Way deep into his ministry and his life and walking in step with God, he's, he's, he's had interactions with God, supernatural interactions with God, and now he senses that he, God is um, announcing in Acts chapter 13 that he's supposed to be on, this mission, on missionary tours. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. And then they come and he's trying to go one direction because he thinks that's what God wants him to do. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. In other words, they tried to go to Asia, and for some reason, the Holy, uh, for some reason, they thought that's where they're supposed to go, but somehow the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm closing that door, you're not going there. Verse 7, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. It doesn't say how he directed them. It just says he closed another door. Now, from a human standpoint, you go, Paul, what is wrong with you? I mean, you've been a Christian a long time. You've been a leader a long time. You've been following the Holy Spirit. Why can't you hear? And the answer is, there is no answer. I don't know. God could have told them before they tried to go there. No. Right? He could. We don't know. So we're going to try to do that. But if we walk in a step of the Holy Spirit, he will stop us. A closed door is often a gift from the heart of God. They've even written a country song about that, haven't they? Thank God for unanswered prayers. It's a skill developed imperfectly. And then, when it was time, they passed through Mysia, they went down to Troas in a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia. And so God directed them in the way they, they need to go. Number three, recognizing nudges from the Holy Spirit within. Recognizing nudges from the Holy Spirit within. <laughs> and here I want to spend some time because I think, th and so as I was on my knees this morning, this is what was really um, capturing me. It is important that we make a shift from looking for God's direction from out there to looking for God's direction from in here. We need to shift from saying, God, and even in, as we're praying or thinking, God, show me from out there because that's not where he lives in the Christ follower. And we need to listen for the messages from in here. Soul-level words and soul-resounding circumstances. Um, another scripture in John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17, that was not, it's not in your outline, you might want to write down the reference. John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17. 
John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his closest disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross and leave them. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There we go again. Obeying leads to hearing, not the other way around. Because so many times God will tell us to do something, and even if he tried to explain it, we wouldn't get it. Because his ways are so much higher than ours, his thoughts are so much higher than ours, and if he tried to download it to you, it would blow every circuit in your brain. Or it would make you so scared you wouldn't be able to move. Do it, he says. So obey me. If you love me, you obey me because you'll trust me. And then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, who, at Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he will be, what's the next word? In you. In you. Jesus also says, if, you, if um, you really understood what I was telling you, you would be glad that I'm leaving because then the Holy Spirit can come and he, then he will transform you from the inside out. So we have to move from thinking external to internal. And this was the shift that I, I really sensed God needed us to get. When I, as I was praying this morning, I want to go. So, open your Bibles to Acts chapter nine, um, and I think God was warming me up to this yesterday at the men's conference because the last speaker referred to part of this in, same incident that we're going to look at here in Acts chapter nine. In Acts chapter nine, we find um, it's it's kind of the story of two people, and I want you to notice the difference: who is experiencing God externally and who's experiencing God internally, for hearing God internally, hearing God externally, hearing God internally. So Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. It says, but Saul, and this is the man who would eventually become the apostle Paul. But at this point, he's a Pharisee and he's on a hunt to kill and destroy the church, the early believers, the followers of Christ still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. And so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is what they're referring to those who are following Christ, the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. So as he's on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, and, and which is why we call it the Damascus Road Experience for the Apostle Paul. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Now notice, external or internal? External. external. He's on the road, a light shines around him because the Spirit of God is not living in him yet. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Lord, <laughs> Whoever you are, you're God, because this is obvious, a divine experience, but I don't know who you are. Saul didn't recognize Jesus because Jesus was not living within him. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
And don't you think at that point Paul's going, I'm dead. <laughs> God's shown up, he's mad at me, and I've been killing his people, and it's over. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. So it was. So how did Saul hear? Through his physical ears. It was an external experience. It was an internal. Hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. Externally, he was blinded. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. External circumstances were reaching into Paul's life because the Spirit of God did not live in him. I've talked to some people who have said, man, I wish I could have those, a powerful experience like you see in the Bible with so many people that you know, God just shows up with power. No, you don't. <laughs> It is not an honor to get knocked to the dirt on Damascus Road. It is when you are so hard-headed that you're not paying attention. Because like a loving heavenly dad, God will only use the measure of force needed to get your attention. So if, if he can get you with this just gentle voice, he, would, he doesn't want to hurt you. But Saul is so hard-headed that he has to knock him to the ground, appear in, the, in this blinding light, have his eyes closed, and then be and, and be left for three days to sit in a timeout and think about what he's been doing. <laughs> you don't want that. That's why we need to cooperate with God, because God will use force if he has to. But he doesn't want to. And so this external, Saul had been chasing after what he thought God was about. But at the right time, God ambushed him, got his attention, and directed him toward what he really longed for. Now notice the internal experience of hearing and seeing God work. Um, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 beginning with verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, here I am, Lord. Now, it tells us that Paul saw this in, in some kind of a vision, but when, he, when God addressed him, he didn't know who it was. Ananias comes to, or the Lord comes to Ananias in a vision, and Ananias immediately says, here I am, Lord. He knows who it is. How does he know? Because he developed the skill to hear God's voice, to recognize God's voice when he speaks, however he speaks. And here it's a vision, but he knows. So the, Saul goes, who are you, Lord? And Ananias goes, oh, hi, Lord, you showed up again. God communicated to both of them in a vision, but the external versus internal. And so Ananias recognized the voice of God because the Spirit of God is living within him. 
that's why if you ever have you ever had the experience where you meet somebody else if you're if you're a follower of Christ you meet somebody else and immediately there's just this connection and you know you just know that you know as you begin to talk that this person belongs to Jesus why because the spirit of god within us is connecting with the spirit of god in somebody else So Ananias immediately recognized him because the Spirit of God lived in him. And he goes on in verse 11, says, The Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight and to the house of Judas and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And so Ananias is hearing all of this. He's hearing this. Why? Because he's learned, he's developed the skill of hearing God's voice, recognizing God's voice, and having constant conversation through the nudges that come throughout his day. And so he responds, but Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints of Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on his name. Ananias responds in conversation with him. There's a lot in, we could talk, there's a whole, just a lot of different lessons in here. The one I want you to catch here is he's having a conversation with God. A conversation as a loved son to a loving father. And he's saying, are you sure you want me to do this? Because he is a bad guy. He's killing people. He's arresting people. The Lord said to him, go. For he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. God answers him. And because he's developed this relationship as a loving heavenly dad and he trusts him in verse 17, so Ananias departed. No more argument. Why? He's learned to trust the voice of God. He's learned to trust the plans of God. And whatever God does, Ananias says, I'll do it. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, already... He has so embraced God's plan for him that he immediately calls him brother. The man who had been arresting people that Ananias probably loved, maybe some of his relatives for all we know. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Saul is now going to begin to relate to Jesus from here, where it was here. It was external before. Because there's a transformation that's going to happen as Saul opens up his his life to him. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. God's prayer. So from external to internal. External to internal. But another thing that I since God revealed to me when I was on my knees this morning is we need to recognize the incredible privilege it is to have the Holy Spirit within us because what we see in the Old Testament in the external presence of God is all that God still is as he lives within us. And so if we go back to Genesis, there was this intimate relationship intimate relationship with God. He came to them. He, he lived with them in that garden. Perfect relationship, intimate relationship. They sinned and broke that relationship. And in, in, 
in, in breaking that relationship, now they're no longer in that intimate relationship. They're no longer living with God in the garden. They're, now the relationship has become one of external. Now God relates to them through the entire Old Testament in the external. So as we go into farther into Genesis, we see Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he relates to him externally. He comes in the form of a man. When Moses is on the backside of the desert and God shows up, he comes to him in the presence of the burning bush. Externally, he was there talking to Moses. As the children of Israel were delivered and they, they crossed the Red Sea and now God has to lead them. How does he lead them? Externally, how does he lead them? What are the signs that his presence is there? Pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day, right? And so it's external. They get to Mount Sinai. God spends time with Moses externally, giving him all of the law. And there's, there's fire on the mountain. There's smoke on the mountain. The voice of God comes from the mountain. It's all external. And, through, and, and then as, as we move farther in the Old Testament, when they build a tabernacle, the Shekinah glory of God descends and he lives in the tabernacle, but it's external. The, taber, or the, the temple is built, the Shekinah glory descends and he's there, but it's, it's external. And, and so we go all through, and then we go in the New Testament and Jesus shows up and it's still external. He's God. He's 100% God. He's 100% human. But it's, it's external. And so he keeps telling the disciples, and, he, and, and they're just knuckleheads. Right? He tried, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> he says at one point. Because you're not getting it. And then we read in John chapter 14. But the Holy Spirit is coming, and he will be in you. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends and now no longer, the external is a symbol of his presence and power through the flame and the mighty wind. But it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes into the lives of those people that transforms them because now he's within them. And there's something that shifts in, this, in our souls when we surrender to the presence of the Holy Spirit because now it's his presence within us. There's something that happens in our souls. He forgives us. But then when he begins to really dwell and we're obedient to him, something happens. The peace that transcends all understanding is because of his presence within us. The power to do what he tells us to do is because of his power within us. He relates within us. Now, all of those things in the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory, the, the, the presence of God on Mount Sinai, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, all of those things, that's the same God that lives within us. And we need to grasp the privilege of having that presence of God walking within us. A loving Heavenly Father who wants to walk with us, doing the bigger portion of the work, caring for us. That's God. That's His presence from within. All of those external moments indicate to us what he wants to do. And so that doesn't that make this scripture make even more sense and become more powerful? Ephesians, do we have that again? Ephesians chapter three. Now to him, let's say it together. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us.
To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Would you bow your heads as we close? It is a privilege beyond comprehension to get on our knees and say, God, I praise you and worship you in surrender. Take charge of my day. Take charge of my life. It is a privilege to walk through our days, listening for the voice of God, watching for the circumstances he creates. So what is it? And, and, I, and I want you to ask God right now and listen for his voice. What is it that hinders you from allowing him to do that? Is there anything that you're holding on to that, that you don't want to surrender? Anything that you're holding back for whatever reason? If there is, doesn't it just make sense to say, God, I give it to you? I want you to be Lord. I want you to be in charge. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to deeper surrender, deeper experience of your presence within us, deeper allowing you to, to be all that you want to be, that you would shift things in our souls so that we become more like you, that we, we'd let go of, of all the stuff that we're holding back. Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal to each of us this week anything that we're holding back, anything that we're not letting go letting go so that you can truly be in charge. I pray that you would reveal it to us as a church family, God, if there's anything that we're holding on to, any way that we're not letting you be Lord, that you would reveal it. I pray that you would be with Christ followers around the world this day. God, that you would work in their hearts, their lives, to draw them more more and more in alignment with you, that your church would be revived around the world, that people who don't know you would be spiritually awakened and come to know you, and that, God, you would use us in, in whatever way you want to use us in your kingdom. I pray that you would lodge what we've talked about today deep in our hearts and our souls and our minds, that it would bother us all week so that we meditate and, and we listen for your voice. Lord, we love you. We can't love you enough. What a privilege. What an honor it is to be in relationship with you. We put ourselves into your hands, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.